first place for number one. Harris drops back, fades to the left, pressure on, and he goes down. Ja'Garrett Davis gets home, and the all-black sideline explodes here in Hamilton. Toward the five, it went through Marcus Dale's hands, and Kyron Moore, the presence of mind to catch it and step out of bounds at the five with 20 seconds to go. Pressure loads it up, goes down the field, taking a shot into the end zone. He caught it. Touchdown, Tiger Town. Brandon Banks, how did he do it? Ah, uh, welcome to the breakdown, everybody. It's Marshall Ferguson. It is Derek Taylor at TSN underscore Marsh at DT on SC is where you can find us on the social medias. Uh, DT is in a strange, wonderful, beautiful land known as Winnipeg. Rainy, potentially snowy Winnipeg. What? Snow? <laughs> There is the potential for snow tomorrow here and in Saskatchewan as well. Wow. I, I was checking the forecast. I'll be at practice at 8.30 when the it will be rainy and three degrees That's on May 20th. <laughs> I think one year when I was covering the Cats on radio, the first day of training camp, it might have even been rookie camp. I was like real go-getter, wanted to be there and like write an article on it and all this stuff. And uh, I, when I showed up on the first couple of minutes of it, it was like, oh, there's clouds rolling in. And it was like, oh, they're rolling over the top of the escarpment and they're dark. Oh, the temperature just dropped like 10 degrees in five minutes. It was like twister type stuff where it was like, are we going to be okay? What's happening? And then all of a sudden the wind just blew in this freezing cold air and we got hail and we got cold rain and we got like little bits of snow coming down. Uh, and I think actually that might've been Byron Archambault's rookie camp with the Tiger Cats. And now he's special teams for the Alouettes, which is crazy to think like how long ago it's been since that happened. But uh, yeah, the end of May is it's a funny one because we'll get into some of the CBA stuff here as we just kind of bounce around some of the topics of the week. But it's amazing to think how, uh, you know, it's like, let's let's think about bumping the season up and moving it forward. The stuff that you get that's wacky, weird and wonderful at the end of May is not as violent even though mm. it is still strange as the stuff that's wacky, weird, and wonderful that you get at the end of November, right? Like we have a bit of a consensus yeah. on this where it's like, you know what? I would probably take like a little bit of weird sleet at five, 10 degrees than I would, uh, you know, negative 30 in, in the blizzard that prevents people from being able to play real football. Yeah. Play the championship game in the best conditions you can. I'm right. with, I'm, I, I'm on that a hundred percent. We have so much to talk about from the CBA stuff to, Chris Jones hates Canadians, part 37. <laughs> oh, uh, my. Tavon Smith got cut? Are you yeah. joking? I was, you know what was interesting about that one is, so I actually spent this week uh, two days with the CFL and TSN crew, and uh, we were in Toronto. The first day was, it was essentially a two-day seminar. The first day uh, was meetings with uh, the CFL and with uh, basically the, the whole CFL and TSN crew to be able to say, like, Here's where we're going. Here's what we're we're looking at. Here's what we want our product to be. And then the second day was reviewing other broadcast networks and what they do with football, whether it be NBC, ABC, uh, you know, ESPN, obviously Monday Night Football, CBS, Fox, and saying like, what do we like? What don't we like? What do we take away from this? How do we improve our product? Do we have any ideas? Do we like what they're doing? Do we not? How do we tweak it to make it our own? Um, so it was it was a lot of fun to be able to do that. But on the Tuesday morning, as we're sitting there and reviewing some of the kind of like base protocols and principles that go into the CFL and TSN uh, at BMO field. I saw the Devon <laughs> uh, Smith release and I leaned over to Dwayne Ford, who I was sitting at the back of the room with. And I 
I was like, hey. And he goes, and I said, who who do they have that's there? And he was like, pull up the roster. He's like, I know. And I said, yeah, Shy is obviously there. Danny Vandervoort, they re-signed. I said, they've got Chris Osikusi on the roster as a Canadian receiver who was well thought of coming out of Queens. I'm like, uh, and then I start. I was like, Gavin Cobb just got drafted out of Manitoba. Okay, that's a good young piece. And, and Dwayne looks at me and he goes, Trey Ford. <laughs> and when Dwayne said yeah. to me, Trey Ford, I was like, oh, I hate how much you're right. I hate that you're right about this because that was his first in, in guns, just gunshot thought was yeah. he's just creating a space to put a second quarterback on the field and letting Trey play a little bit of absolutely everything. And again, I don't have any information that Trey has been doing a whole heck of that stuff, but when you open up a roster spot as a Canadian and you've got a freaky athletic quarterback that you're allowed to put on the field at the same time as another quarterback, it was like, okay, I think that might be part of the reasoning, not the, not the exclusive reasoning. Well, and Edmonton lets him go and cut into the ether as uh, and I, I, ha- I only half joke. Chris Jones hates Canadians because yeah. he traded the starting Canadian left tackle and a and a, li- a young linebacker for to move up uh, to move up in the draft a little bit. I don't get it, but uh, I'm starting to think of teams that may want it to Vaughn Smith. Yeah, Calgary could Calgary squeeze him in? How about uh, BC? Uh, anybody for the BC Lions? Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, those are two teams in his division that. Tavon Smith had six touchdowns and busted onto the scene in 2019 and gone before his rookie contract is, I think before his rookie contract is done, whether rolled over or not, he's very young and he is very talented, regardless of what the numbers from 2021 say. I just realized the one that I missed that's Canadian is Mike Jones, who had a great year last year. Oh yeah. Considering what Edmonton was. And the other part of this too, was that you and I were texting when Rashawn Simonize got signed. Because yeah, oh. when, when Simon Eyes came Jones. in, it was, it was like, okay, is he going to go from Tavon to Rashawn Simon Eyes? And I'm like, well, side-by-side direct comparables, it's like, well, Tavon would obviously be the more established, more trusted, noteworthy guy. But Simon Eyes might have the higher upside based on what yeah. people thought of him coming out. and where. But he's bounced around a little bit. He hasn't really found a consistent place to play. He was in Montreal last season and was just kind of a guy in the mix. Like, And again, Tavon wasn't exactly this like world-beating all-star standout. But to your point, I, I would feel better about having Tavon on my roster. But man, Chris has this thing that we I'm sure we'll talk about so much, not just this year, but as long as he's mm-hmm. in the CFL, where it's like he sees freaky athlete and he's like, I can, I can get the best of them. I can put them in any situation. And I jokingly texted you, oh, there you go. Rashawn Simonize is now Deron Carter's backup at free safety. Because, yeah, exactly. Because I'm like, if you're going to cut a former receiver and Deron Carter loose at free safety and be like, listen, you've got so much range, just we'll teach you the base principles and go get it. Like, go go play hard and, and run from sideline to sideline. I'm mm-hmm. like, how hard would it be to teach Rashawn Simon as the same thing? I, again, I say that half tongue in cheek. I don't have any eyes on camp right now at Edmonton. And full disclosure, I spent the afternoon with my son as the first practices have been happening. So I haven't been crawling through social media, learning everything about these teams as we're taping here on Thursday night. But um, yeah, I mean, anything is possible, I think, is the, is what we're saying here, right, with Edmonton? Yeah. Yeah. Simon Ice, three years in the CFL, 10 catches in yeah. 37, 37 games. He's uh, 47 games, pardon me, 11 from Montreal last year that's that's more feasible but i mean jones jones loves super high-end athletes and that's what rashawn simonize absolutely is when i saw him at the ufc i thought holy cow this guy's gonna be a star it 
left school. Uh, I forget if he returned to school. Uh, it hasn't worked out for him in the CFL to the level of his raw physical ability. Mm-hmm. But uh, those are the guys. Like, uh, I wonder, I need to go back uh, after we finish this podcast and look at guys that Jones has tried to flip because we'll always go to A.C. Leonard, right? That, right? that third guy to the field in B.C. in 2015 became all-star defensive end within a couple of years of getting flipped. I wonder, I wonder, Duran was not great at corner, even though he had two interceptions of Bo. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'd be curious to kind of take a look at it and how it all plays out. But I just, on its face, getting rid of Tavon Smith just really was, was just a stunner for me. And some team who can figure out how to how to get him into the cap will be very happy with that, I think. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you. And again, what we're saying here is, really good depth guy that can make plays for you not going to be burnham or whitehead or but as a canadian to be slotted in and again we'll see how these hash changes and alterations are going to affect the love that some of the guys that typically play that wider side wide out will end up getting but um i I said to dustin nielsen who was at that cfl and tsn seminar i said hey did you see that release and he goes yeah honestly the flashes that he showed say that he can play anywhere in this league but there was a lot of flat. He said, Dustin said there was a lot of flashes from his time at Edmonton and there wasn't a lot of consistency. And again, I don't think Jones is basing it strictly off of that, but that's just another man's opinion that I think should be entered into the conversation a little bit on that. So um, yeah. the, the, the main thing here, we are all, and I, I can't believe that we didn't mention it off the top uh, is as I let you know that we're brought to you, of course, by Fox 40. This isn't what I was referencing off the top, but outfit your coaching staff with custom logo, Fox 40 whistles, gears, coaching boards, and more visit Fox 40 shop.com and use the code CFP 15 at checkout uh, for 15% off of your entire order. Thank you to our friends at Fox 40 for making this possible. But the thing I can't believe we didn't mention off the top is the fact that like, man, what a relief. And I know that it was not necessarily dire in the worst ways. If we would have started dropping preseason games, I know the first one got shifted between Saskatchewan and Winnipeg, which affects your, your prep and, uh, and your lead into the season and all the rest. But if we would have started dropping games, if things would have started getting out more ugly in the media and all the rest, I would have got really concerning. This was like, DEFCON two out of five, I would say, if you want to put it there in terms of threat level. Mm. But I still, anytime that you enter the actual stage of strike, for me, I felt pretty comfortable we were going to get things done, but there was still this wash of relief of, okay, now let's focus on the football, right? And it, it just, it felt so good. And you've been around the guys in Winnipeg. You've talked to them. You saw them before and after. What is your sense for the guttural reaction of getting this mess over with. Oh, I, I think it's just relief uh, talking to Nick Dembski of the Bombers. He, he said, you know, there is a little anxiety. It didn't, it didn't last very long, but that four day strike, but there's anxiety in there. When are we going to get a deal done? When might it happen? Is it going to be tomorrow? How do I, how long do I keep going at this? Dembski's fortunate enough to play in his hometown, right. Mm-hmm. For, for other guys, like, uh, first time American guy who came across the border for rookie camp. And then all of a sudden is waylaid in a country he's never been in, in a city he's never been in with what on earth is this weather that I've never been in. Uh, that had it gone, had it gone a long time. Those guys really, you could put yourself in their shoes and go, this is very uncomfortable. Do I need to rethink what I'm doing here and jump on that rock bandwagon for 2023? Like it's, I'm glad it was only four days because 
by the fourth day, right, we all we kind of got a sense of, oh, there's been movements. Oh, something's coming tonight. Okay, we're we're done. Let's let's get to it. So I'm glad it didn't last very long. And maybe the happiest part, uh, Marsh, because uh, there's stuff within the deal that I'm going to crab about endlessly for yep. years to come. We don't have to talk about uh, labor unrest or strikes or lockouts or CBAs for potentially seven years. Yeah. Seven years with no CBA talk after three straight seasons of this stuff. I love it. I love yeah. seven years. I agree. When I saw the length of that, I was real happy too. And that, that for all of the beatings that Randy Ambrosi takes and, and will take and certain details of this thing that he will you know, get beat up on and have question. And no matter what you do, you are going to make somebody unhappy or make somebody question you. It's the nature of the job. But for him to be able to get it to seven um, in in con- collaboration with the Players Association, because that's obviously not something where you bully them into it. And there were reports that the players were more interested in the long term than, than the league necessarily. But for them to be able to get to that length, I'm with you, man. Like, I understand this is part of the business of sport. You got to go through this BS sometimes. But if mm. you get a chance to go through it less, who's upset about that? Like, everybody feels good about the idea that, this is not going to be revisited for a while. And you're right. It might be the sweetest part of the fact that it's done is that it's done and it's done for a while. Like that's, yeah, that's something I think we should be celebrating honestly across the country because you will forget about the fact that you're kind of used to the concept of, uh, of having to deal with it every couple of years. You'll take it for granted in four or five years down the road, six years down the road, or we're not even thinking about it. We get to do true preseason things that don't involve all of these negotiations. I will say this, though. Randy Ambrosi mm-hmm. was at the CFL and TSN seminar on Tuesday. I don't know if anybody out there is familiar with the side-by-side of President Barack Obama when he started his eight years in office versus when he finished his eight years in office. I'm not slandering, great. I'm not slandering Randy here. That dude's eyes were tired. I don't know. And and I I know there was a lot of stuff on social media about the hell are you doing on Monday and Tuesday? Get back to the table. You should be spending every single second hammering it out. This is a great example of where social media has absolutely no idea what the people that are involved are doing. There might not be formal talks, but that all I needed to see was when Randy Ambrosi, the commissioner of the CFL, walked into that room. I saw his eyes. I went, oh, my God, he hasn't slept in days. And I don't think it was just stress related. I think it was, he was trying to figure out a way to get this thing done so that he could go back to having five, six hours of sleep leading into the season instead of zero to two hours of sleep. Yeah. Or Marsh, was he trying to figure out a way to kick Canadians out of the CFL entirely? (laughs) Maybe. uh, Yeah. 49% naturalized Canadians, 49%. could they? Oh man, that's we we need a pot of what is this and how is it coached? Yeah. Maybe it's for twenty twenty three when some of these rules come in. Yeah. Uh, but the naturalized Canadian thing is forty nine percent. I was going through some depth charts about how's this going to play out and who's getting benched in the fourth quarter of the Grey Cup. Which which so, most outstanding Canadians getting benched in the fourth quarter? Explain this to people because I think for me, and, and I am never shy to say this, I love the game of Canadian football. Like I love studying. I have so much respect for the fact that you love the game of Canadian football and the X's and O's and the studying and the, and the numbers. And But you also take an interest in everything that has to do. I, I was not interested in the slight. Like I was talking to Dwayne about this this week and we both just agreed like we're both tell us when it's done 
kind of guys. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, not, it's not that we don't care about the details. They're very important. And there were a lot of aspects of this where it was like, I'm cheering for this and I'm cheering for that. But it's like in terms of, of the, the nitty gritty and what it really fleshes out and becomes, I'm like, I don't know, man. It's, it's kind of over my head, seems challenging. And I think I share that with a lot of fans. If you walk up to the average CFL fan and you try to explain to them the roster construction that's now in place in the CBA for seven years, there's a lot of people that are going to go, what, what, what is that even, how does that, what is that? And it's not because they necessarily disagree with it. It's just kind of difficult to understand for somebody who's just sitting there watching the football game. So I don't want to say in the simplest terms, cause I don't need you to dumb it down. Like our listeners yeah. are smart people. Hell they're here. They must be smart. But if you can explain what you're talking about with some of this roster construction and the 49% that's gone in, uh, yeah, I feel like you're the right man to give the true assessment of it. Yeah, so we'll find out more as days go on. As it gets finally written up, we'll totally get it. And when it comes into effect, but uh, essentially there were seven Canadians that started last year, and for on uh, for as long as I've known, yeah. apparently there were more at some point, but I honestly just don't remember that. Seven Canadians had to start. So when I saw the new deal, they went to eight Canadians, but one of them can be a naturalized American, which is a veteran American player who's been here five years or three with the same team. I thought, oh, that's great. But then there's this part where there are also three other naturalized naturalized American players who can sub in for a Canadian as long as that American player does not play more than 49% of snaps in a single game. You go, well, one, 49% is, that's super confusing. How are you possibly going to track that in real time? And the answer is they won't. They'll review it afterward because they look at who's on the field anyway, and they'll work at it that way. But two, you go, okay, well, that needs to be layered and protected really well. Uh, And there is some natural protection in the way rosters are constructed. But there needs to be some protection because if you have three guys who can substitute in for Canadians just whenever you want, as long as they play less than half the snaps, the fourth quarter of the Grey Cup, one, two, three Canadians are on the bench. Here's one, two, three Americans that we've craftily made sure are on the roster. And the final quarter of the Grey Cup is played with 20 Americans and four Canadians. And the most outstanding Canadian is on the bench. Mm-hmm. Now, that's that's a simplification. What's, what it kind of looks like is if you carry an extra American defensive back and one of your guys can play safety and you play a Canadian safety, well, Chris Jones is shoving that guy to the bench in the fourth quarter. And your Canadian defensive tackle, we love you, but we're going with somebody else there. Uh, A lot of teams don't often carry an extra American offensive lineman. But if you carry, say, two extra American receivers because one's your returner, oh, well, we can take that guy. And now we can pull out a Canadian here. GMs are going to find a way and coaches, sorry, coaches are going to find a way to to put their roster together that goes, okay, if we want to go American without disturbing stuff too much, how are we going to do that? Because if our if our 21st American is better than our seventh Canadian for you carry 20 Americans and you carry you start seven Canadians. If our 20th American is better than our seventh Canadian, we got to get that 20th American on the field because the rules now say we can. Yeah, it is amazing to think about the ways that it can unfold. I, I genuinely wonder if it will come down to substitution packages, essentially, is where my mind kind of goes, where it's like, how you know what percentage of plays on defense and i'm just using chris jones as an example here um is you know if, if you're looking at 
I'm trying to think even what the split would be off the top of my head between first down snaps and second down snaps in, a, in an average game in the CFL. It's probably 60, 40. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's something like that. Like it's relatively close, but um, I mean, it's, it's to the point where if there is less than uh, but that 49% of snaps on second down, could you see essentially like an American heavy substitution package for second down defense? because if they're going to play less than that, it might not be just fourth quarter. It might be situationally um, yep. where you, you feel like you can get what are you, you believe are quote unquote, your best players, uh, which just feels like really like, Oh, hear that. That's backdoor slander, everybody uh, on yep. Canadians. But it's the idea that if you, if you're given the opportunity to put the best players you believe on the field and improve the product the best, there's going to be all sorts of different versions of this. It's going to come through in different downs and distances and parts of the field and quarters and time and score situations. And, uh, and like you say, for us doing the broadcast, like it's really difficult to constantly be, and I know the league. Who's in, who's out. Well, yeah. And it's on because we want, we want to tell people the story, right? So we want to be able to say, wow, you know, player X is taking a lot of snaps right now and he wasn't listed in the starting lineup and it looks like he's moved into that boundary uh, halfback spot for Canadian Y. And Mm -hmm. it's like, we want to be able to tell those stories through the game. The way it used to be was, you know, if a Canadian would go down to injury or if you had that, um, uh, I'm trying to think, it wasn't even necessarily like the naturalized situation last year because that wasn't in yet. But uh, I mean, there were versions of that where, you know, Darius Sirocco goes down early in a game and American pops in, uh, in that spot because it was after the first snap of the game. And, and so. Fudging the rules. Yeah. Yeah. It's like they found a way to try and challenge the rules and dance around them. So they're going to do this again. And it's going to be damn near impossible for us to tell those stories. And I don't know if the fans are really going, and I'm not trying to, you know, go conspiracy theory on you here. I'm just saying in all honesty with the fans, you are not going to know whether or not these rules have been followed because even if you see some sort of supplementary discipline that comes down from the league, that's going to be by the time that game participation reports are filed, which takes 48 hours, I think usually after the games, then they have to review those and see how many of those snaps came from guys that were not in those allocated positions that were subbing in for the Canadians that were taking over those spots that were actually naturalized America's like by the time that they reach determination on this, I'm sure it'll get better over time with the tracking mm-hmm. and how they're going to deal with it. But if a game is played on a Saturday night, those things aren't filed until Monday night. You start reviewing them on Tuesday. Then you have to call the club and start asking questions. By the time you get it dealt with, hey, Thursday night football has kicked off. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and, and that's where it's, it's not like one of those things where you see uh, Nikola Kalinic spear ed gainey and you're like that's a fine and then on tuesday it's like nicola clinch has been max fined of five thousand dollars for spearing it's not going to be yeah. like that so even the storyline of how this is interpreted how this is officiated how this is um run by the league it's going to be really difficult i think early on for everybody to have a grasp of well and then the cfl has this thing in the past where if something happens late in the season or in the great cup sometimes they just go ah oh, you know what toronto violated the salary cap we don't care Jonathan Rose shoved an official. Nah, no, no penalty. It happened last season. Let's let's all move on from it. Uh, some people might well be saying, well, with that thing, don't don't teams already sub in Americans and Canadians? Right. Uh, uh, Winnipeg would use uh, when they played the Riders. They used Shane Goche on rundowns, and they subbed in. I think it was Alden Darby on passing downs as one of the linebacker spots. 
Uh, BC did it with Adam Konar and and someone else where they would sub a guy in. They go, yes, that happens. But in that situation, there were eight Canadians on the field. And then Alden Darby comes in to make it seven. Now it's seven Canadians are on the field. And now it's six. And now it's five. And now it's four. And at the <laughs> and and let, you said it right there. Like if, if coaches are coaches and, and coaching staffs are already looking at this, you know, whenever they start looking at it for 2023 and going, okay, how do we exploit this? Because it's the rule. They made the rule. I didn't make the rule, but I'm going to use the rule. How do I need to change who I bring? How do I need to cha- change how I teach guys? If I want, you know, my backup halfback to move over to safety in the fourth quarter or this. Uh, just talking to Adam Big Hill today, who was, of course, the Bombers star linebacker, most outstanding defensive player, one of the VPs of the CFL. And he said he thinks it'll be more in packages like you had said. Like, okay, well, we're the Bombers. We can run this package with our return guy, get him on the field on offense. And, you know, we could sub out a Canadian in that case to make it easy. I think that's, I think that's good. And I think that's where some of it comes in, but I mean, Hamilton got, got busted for, Oh, Darius Sirocco wasn't, what was it? Sirocco wasn't really injured, but here's John Yarborough playing center anyway, uh, because we can, we can substitute like that was one of the rules in 21. You go, if if Hamilton's doing that, and Hamilton seems like the nice guys, what's a what's a coach who just you know win win or die uh, <laughs> going to do with with some of these rules? And I'm 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 just afraid overall that uh, we had seven Canadians. The league was asking for six, and somehow we got to five and a half. Is my greatest fear with this rule? Yeah, and I think that that's totally fair, right? And I I think in fairness to the league and the players' association. They agreed upon it. Now we have to see where it goes. I guess yep. my, my my wonder would be, and I this is a slippery slope, and I don't think it's possible. But if if for some reason coaches were so ninja at being able to manipulate this and work it around, and people were like, "Okay, this is kind of embarrassing." Like if it were to get to that point, I genuinely wonder if after this season there could be an amendment. But once you have a CBA ratified you can move things around like it's happened mm-hmm. in the past. I don't know if you could move something around that big. So there's a potential that you might be in a spot where they let this thing play out for a year or two, see where it goes. Right. And, uh, but again, it's, I think we have to give it time to see what it actually looks like, but I do wonder what they would do if it got out of hand. Cause I was, I was laughing with yeah. somebody th- the other day where I said, you know, with this hash thing, there's a lot of people talking about more room in the boundary and yeah, you're getting more touches for the wide side. Now the will and the Sam have got to basically be the same and you've changed the way you defense and the way you line up as, as defensive ends and how much is your free safety going to shade and the run game's going to be available and you're going to split your receivers wider and get better reads. And I'm like, Whoa, this, there's a lot of things here that could actually create some scoring. And then I kind of laughed and I go, what if all the games the first week are like 70 to 68? Yes. Yeah. Return touchdowns are plenty included, right? Like, what if they're all just like a hunt? Like, the over unders in these games are like 132.5, and you're like, (laughs) oh my God, what did we do? And I'm not not saying that's going to happen because it's not, but I just thought it would be amazing if you're like, you know what, we need more offense. And then you go at the first week, and there's so much offense that you're like, is this good? Did we do this right? Because uh, there's yeah. a lot of stuff that they've put in here over the last couple of years trying to manipulate the game in a way that will help it. Um, but it's kind of like, and I think we used this analogy in a previous podcast, DT, is the idea of when you 
you put an animal into an ecosystem it doesn't belong in, or you pull an animal out of an ecosystem that very much needs it, you think you're affecting one animal. You're not. You're affecting the ecosystem. And the yeah. ecosystem of the CFL, when you're tweaking several different little things, it's like, what does the ecosystem look like in five years? I have absolutely no idea, but that's what we get to find out in real time. Well, and which one actually had the impact, right? right? Because yeah. a lot of it, a lot of it to me felt like, okay, scoring was down six points a game in the Canadian Football League in 21 over 19. And it was 10 points a game over, I think it was probably 2017, 2016. It was, you know, 53 points a game. But is, does this change that? Is this, is this good enough to change that? Or was it down for other reasons? Uh, just one final one on yeah. the, uh, the, the ratio thing, the 49% ratio thing. The first time I see a team at uh, at the end of a half take a knee three times instead of two, <laughs> try to run out the clock because, hey, that's one more snap for our Canadians, one more snap for my Americans. The first time some team kneels down three times to kill the clock, uh, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to yeah. lose it. Free one for any coaches listening. Three kneel downs with 20 seconds to go in the halftime when you're not going to try buys you some more snaps for your Americans. Yeah, but DT's like, hey – don't do it. I see you. I see you over there trying to figure out how to change this. Do not mess around and do this. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's going to be all sorts of, I think, mixing and matching in ways that this is, is going to play out. So uh, I, I will uh, we'll wrap up here. By the way, I just want to mention, um, <laughs> thank you to everybody's patience with like CF perspective in general. Uh, we've been slower pumping out stuff and slower getting rolling this year. This should be the last week where we don't have our regular lineup uh, pumping stuff out for you. I'm going to try to put out as many team previews as I can going into next week. I've got the preseason game in Ottawa next Friday now that it's confirmed uh, between Toronto and Ottawa. And uh, and so it's I'm back into doing my normal weekly schedule and that'll make this all much more uh, normal and weekly. So uh, thank you for that. The second thing I want to say is two little... Um, tidbits here for you these are things that i feel comfortable that i can share with our, our listeners without getting in mm. trouble um two things one is when you think of ways that you are slowing down the game flow of the cfl one of the ways that i feel like is really underrated because you just associate it with like yeah that's what football television is is when there's a flag obviously flags slow the game down we had way too many flags last year and then the official has to go to x marks the spot and look at the camera and turn oh. on the turn on the microphone and do the hands dance. And it's great because if you're a little kid, you're sitting at home and you love football and you're going, yeah, holding defense. Number, and it's fine. You play along with it. Uh, that's the goal that everybody, whether it be Darren Hackwood, who does a great job as the director of officiating, Greg Dick, Ryan Jansen, Commissioner Ambrosi, uh, Paul Graham, who's head of TSN live events and all the rest. Everybody's goal is to get rid of the show of go to the spot, look at the camera, say the thing. We're trying to make it a walk and talk. It's like, there's a flag. Good. Call it. Move on. Next snap. So I just, I want to share that with fans because it might be a small thing to you, but it will change the dynamic of what your broadcast feels like because you'd be like, was there a flag? Is it what, did they already announce it in the state? Yeah, they announced it. We'll tell you about it and let's go play football. Like the whole point is we're here to play football. We're not here to watch a fish. It's like the East West bowl. When I was on a coach's zoom and Gary Jeffries, the legendary coach from Laurier, they were talking about, you know, what do we want to do with the offense? And should we go for it on third down? And Gary Jeffries just said, we didn't invite the best players in Canada to play in an all-star game so we could feature the punters. 
is like we want to feature the skill position guys and make sure that they are out there having fun it's the same thing with the officials it's like it's great you guys do a great job keep doing a great job walk and talk let's watch the football so that's yeah. one thing the other let thing, the fans know though the fans got to know because there's nothing yes. they hate more than we came back from commercial the ball's 15 yards from where i thought it was how did yeah. it get there well you gotta, I, the f- officials got to communicate because there's times where you go did they say anything? No. Oh, okay. Let's guess why there's a 10 yard penalty. And then there's another little one on that too, which is this year, starting this year, the, the quarter first and third can end on a penalty. So, yeah. so now you've got a situation where it's like, Hey, final play of the first quarter flag comes up. We're going to break, even though the flag came up, it's not, and then it's going to have to be on the television side. Obviously we do like quarter stats. So it's come back, welcome you in quarter stats, turn around. Oh, by the way, before the break, this is why the ball's 15 yards different than it was before we went. So as yep. broadcasters, again, that changes the dynamic for us. Cause we are trying to communicate to you exactly what has been happening in the game. Um, but the last thing that I wanted to, to share with people, Winnipeg, that extra Jersey that they, they with the W and the blue and the stripes and the two is beautiful. I love that. Mm. When you're listening to this on Friday, May 20th, I believe the Edmonton Elks are unveiling on Friday uh, a different look, a tweaked look. A, they're not the only ones. There are okay. other, there are other pieces of fabric for all of my fellow sports fashion aficionados. Get excited because there are uh, things are happening when it comes to the fabrics and uh, and the logos and the placements and the this and the that. Oh. So chainmail uniforms coming to the CFL. <laughs> chainmail, I would love that. Mohair, mohair, Mohair. Uh, I I just wanted to give a little bit of a, an Easter egg teaser to everybody there as a thank you for tuning in here at the end and say uh, if you like sports fashion in the CFL and you're always interested in alternate uniforms, uh, mm. there there might be some fun surprises for you coming out in the next. X amount of time. I don't know when, I don't know where, I don't know which teams. I'm not going to tell you any of that stuff. I'm just telling you uh, it's cool. So the CFL is, is trying to mix and match and get you excited for this year by doing a variety of things. And, and I hope that you will take that teaser and be very excited about it. I was going to say part of your two day seminar was how to construct a beautiful tease. And that was, <laughs> I that wish was, I could have well spent, done. I could have spent two days trying to learn how to do a tease. And if anybody's watched me do TSN games on television, you would still know it's terrible. It's a fit. Uh, <laughs> all right. Master your game plan with Fox 40 coaching boards. Choose from a range of clipboards and carry boards to help with your sideline needs. Visit fox40shop.com. Shop coaching boards and more. Take 15% off of your order with the code CFP15. DT, thank you for the information on CBA stuff. That's great, man. I hope you're enjoying Winnipeg and uh, we'll get after it next week, heading into preseason. Oh, boy. Bombers and Elks next Friday. I'm going to love Chris Jones' return to the Canadian Football League.